Hello and welcome. We are the Agony Uncles. I'm Uncle Dave. And I'm Uncle Sai. Hello. Hello, Uncle Sai. Back from your holidays. I am, mate. I am. I had a lovely time, thank you. Yes. How come you're the only one who only ever gets holidays where you've got no communications? Well, I was busy. It was a bloody wedding, wasn't it? You know what I mean? And it's Italy. They never tell you. They always go, oh yeah, the internet's great. It never is. It never, ever is. And it, yeah, and we were, I was in a villa that the higher out to the Syria R players from Empoli, right? And the internet was crap there and all. So I'm sorry I've been missing. Yeah, right. Right. So have you got a tan? <laughs> Let's have a look at you. Yeah. Do you want to see me oh. tan line? No, best not. Actually. No, best not. No, no, no. Yeah. no, I've seen it before. It's not yeah. pretty. No. no, welcome back. Just some good food. That's the thing that we love about Italy, mate. And it, it, it's just like, it's so, so regional, so focused, so seasonal and simple. And it was just, it was, it was brilliant. And we had, obviously, as you know, it was a big family wedding that we had mm. for, that we'd been postponing for, we'd postponed for no, th- th- two years because of COVID and the pandemic. And, uh, I've got to do a, a, a shout out really to Delizia, who was the catering company that actually came in, and we were very specific <laughs> as we would be <laughs> about what we wanted, and uh, and they were just brilliant. They were brilliant, and they, they did it with real grace and finesse, and typically Italian, you know that that wonderful occasion. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it was good. You were a massive, massive miss, man. Well, I yes, I would have swapped had I been able to. I know, mate. It's work in progress, but no, no, the wedding looked amazing. Actually, got to admit, Alex, he's he's a good-looking boy, isn't he? Yes, he is. if there's any modelling agencies out there, he always makes Aye. loads of money, so he needs to work. Yeah. So if, uh... <laughs> it makes David Gandhi look like Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm his I, biggest fan, you know. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Anyway, and thanks. Welcome back, Kingy. And thanks, thanks so much mate. for all the emails and messages on social media. It's great to hear from you. I'd like to say hello to Miles Hewitt, who wrote to us on Facebook. He says, the early bikers are brilliant and so watchable. That's all it'll do. Oh, Hope do. you're feeling okay, Dave. Yeah, under circumstances, I'm doing all right. You're the best Viking I know. He is. Bill Radner. Yeah, that was some something, wasn't it? I'm the Viking. Yeah. yeah. What was it like being Swiss German? Was it kind of like, you know, you did your neutrality and sit on the fence propensively for grandfather clocks and, you know, cuckoo clocks? Did that not depress you somewhat when I was like a heroic Northern Conqueror? Uh, no. You know, the one of your dreams, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I just thought I'll accept what God gives us and I'll have, the, uh, have a, as you say, a propensity for Swiss clocks, cowbells and the sound of music. What's not to love? Um, Most of that actually to fair. Yes. <laughs> fair enough. Yes, it's a lovely complex. <laughs> Idil. Yeah, it's, yeah I, do like, I do quite like Switzerland, really. Yeah. It's, uh, like the, it's like the biggest Marks and Spencers in the world, Switzerland, isn't it? It's so conservative. It's hilarious. It is like oh, yeah, walking but around. The, motor, the motorway services, oh. when you go to get your lunch, oh, now it's worth every penny. But, dude, man, it's a fortune. I bought, say, it was tw- I bought like three bits of fruit and it was 12 quid on oh, a bottle of water. I was like, what? Oh, right. Okay. I'll no, not be, no, I'll not be going to the buffet. Oh, I know. I do the buffet. Oh, it's I great. A lovely piece of salmon and new potatoes. Last <laughs> overlooking Lake Lucerne. 
happened? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that well-attested route, isn't it? Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Miles. Yes, thanks, Miles. And, and and on the on the subject of our nominations for the TV Choice Awards, thanks to um, Debbie Ampleton, Appleton. Sorry, Debbie, uh, who says. I've just voted online for your Go North show to win the TV Choice Award. Uh, this was not just about the food or the lovely produce uh, and producers you met, but just loved watching you both together in this series. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> the honesty and solidarity of your friendship just shone through and you both deserve it. Oh, oh that's lovely. Oh, how lovely is that? Yeah, what a canny will- lass. Aye, mm. aye. Well, we won one before, didn't we? TV Choice Award for vacation. Oh, yeah. We were drunk, probably. I lost you that night, actually, to be fair. Where did I go? I don't know. Oh. I don't know, but I think it was with somebody from Coronation Street. That sort of gathering, you know. Yes, it was. Yes. I, 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 and, you know, the, all those Irish people that do the thing. and uh, Yeah, then. M- Mrs. Well. Brown's boys. Yes, that was it. Yes. Yes, that that was an entertaining evening. It was a very good night out, that, and we won. Yes, yes. so we'd like to repeat it. So please vote for us. Yes, go on. But posing the problems today, it's himself, the thin white duke, Mr Jeeves. Hello, and lovely to have the team back together. And yes, we've had lots of um, uh, contact from people saying they voted for the TV Choice Award, so fingers crossed. Let's hope that works. You can go online and vote for that. Do if you're uh, if you're listening to this podcast in, uh, yeah, when it came out, then do that. That's great. Uh, so yes, nice to be here, and we've got some rather juicy troubles for you to get your teeth into today. Oh, lovely, uh, lovely, Ooh. and um, and and talking about teeth and perfection. Um, she's back. If Harrods <laughs> sold agony ants, she'd look like posh tash. Here she is. Hello, me gorgeous human. How are Hello. you? It's lovely to have you all back again. I like it having the full team, the full compliment. Yes, um, yes. I was going to say that if you, I wasn't quite sure between your competition on Switzerland and Vikings, but it would be my absolute dream to have a Viking in Switzerland. I love Vikings, everything about Vikings, and I absolutely love Switzerland. So that's me. That's it. That's Posh's dream. Oh, God. Yes. Why did I not know? Yes. I should have realised that Switzerland is your utopia. I can't. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Walk the mountains and pick Edelweiss, skipping. Oh, oh, that's Austria, isn't it? Never mind. Anyway, never mind. It's it's close. As long as Ragnar's close behind me, I'll do anything. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> running up the hill, running up the hill with his ox. Yes, <laughs> that'll do. <laughs> anyway, let's let's solve some problems. Yes, yes, yes. So Simon, yes, Steve, it's problem time. Hit that bing bang jingle on its way. Ba-ding. Hello, hairy bikers. Here is my request. I have got a problem that I must get off my chest Won't you listen to my story like a hairy Jack and Ori? Cause I heard your advice is the best In the Agony Uncles today we have got some rather challenging troubles for you We've got fussy kids, fussy adults, do I have to have kids, a rather gitty husband And shaved heads, as well as in Confidential Corner the sister who's come on to me but first of all we're going to start with fussy kids and this one comes in from steve who says hello Cy, dave and the team firstly thank you for making such a great podcast 
As a gardener, I listen to lots of podcasts, and yours is definitely one of my favourites. I love the wit, wisdom, and, of course, great advice. After listening to the latest one, I feel I needed to email. I've got two daughters, Mia, 13, and Kirby, 11. I find it really difficult to get them to eat anything other than chicken nuggets and very plain food. I'm not a bad cook, and I do try to offer them a varied and hopefully interesting menu, but they both resist strongly, and I end up feeding them what they want. So how can I get them to broaden their food horizons? It'd be, I'd be thrilled to know that you've read my email and hope that you can provide me with a couple of suggestions. And that comes from Steve. How about you? Well, it's very simple, Steve. Stop buying the chicken nuggets and very plain food and get the stuff from your garden and say, if you don't flame and eat it, you'll starve. That's what happened to me and Dave and Posh Tash and you as well, Jeeves, because we've all four of us had this conversation, haven't we? Yeah, I think what, what some people do is they, they complicate matters. They give so much choice and find out, you know, I'm not suggesting that you force feed people to eat stuff they don't want to. Um, you know, you know that everybody's got the palates of food that they love. So within that palate of food, don't don't complicate it. That's what you've got for your tea. You like it, eat it. I do have to say, I think, and I've got three kids, and I would claim to stop. My instinct response is to go look. If they're hungry, they're going to eat. So don't pander to it, you know, and you're not going to serve them awful foods. Whatever's on the table has to go. Yet I am guilty. I've got three kids where I've got one who's super fussy. And I let the super fussy one dictate what I cook for everyone. Uh, That's so wrong. Whereas what I should do is let the fussy one start eating what everyone else will eat. You know, four should outweigh one, but I don't. And so I, I can I hear how it's difficult because as a parent, you instinctively want your kids to be fed. You want them to eat. You don't want them to be grumpy or tired or hungry because they're nightmares on top of the already nightmares that they are. Um, so I just think it's very easy to give the, the easy option. However, I would say if it's on the table and that's all they're getting, that's all they can eat, then they can either go hungry or not. Starvation is the only way forward. Yeah. Oh, God, it's all a bleak house at yours, isn't it, really? The Victorian family values. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we've got Jacob Rees Mogg coming around on Sunday yeah. for lunch. Yes. yes. We're going to discuss the state of Horace Walpole. Yes. <laughs> Horace Walpole. I do think I sort of say to them now that they're getting older, make what you want. And I've taught them, they can all, I may mean, taught them all to do the spag bowl, the obvious, the spag bowls, the omelettes. They know how to do something for themselves, yet they don't. They'll just go for a bacon sandwich, a chicken sandwich. I don't know. But I feel desperately that I, it's my role to educate them into eating well. However, they mm. are very different. My youngest one will eat a huge pile of vegetables and spicy food aged eight and my 16 year old will only eat a burger and chicken you know it's ridiculous but that's their choice their palate um and i won't let them go hungry because my natural instinct is yeah children. yeah I, I get that but the thing is that that a palate needs educating much the same as your brain and and the 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 variety of foods and and look kids come to a certain age i mean i remember dave and i dave, dave and i were horrified we went through it with uh james can you remember when our James stopped eating onions, Dave? And it was like, oh, yeah. I'm not eating, I'm not having onions. And I'll go, well, why? You've always liked onions. Why are you not? And, and it was, he was just coming up into adolescence. Mm. And as my, uh, as my brother Will says, feeling the weight of himself. And uh, he was just kind of pushing into adolescence. And they just want a little bit of control and a little bit of power. Well, that's okay. And you can do that in a really cool way. But not eating, like, you know, 
Uncle Dave nearly took his head off his shoulders. It's like, you talking about not eating onions, bloody idiot. You've always eaten onions. onions. Yeah. And it was his mate, actually, his, one, his best mate that didn't like onions. So our James went, I don't like onions. So we're like, so what did me and Dave do? Fed him onions, like all weekend. That was it, pickled onions, onions and stuff. It was like, eat those bloody onions, you little shit. It was, uh... I remember one, once having, having lunch, Sunday lunch around your house and it was lovely, all the kids are around and again, they mutinied. And I think you'd done like a leg of lamb with all the trimmings, homemade mint sauce and everything. And I remember one of them said, it was Alex said, we've been talking. No, I think James was the spokesman. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Alex and I have been talking. Dad, can we not just have, like, normal food? Like, why do we have to have all this all the time? Can we just have a burger? And, and then, then they said this, this list of stuff that they, like other people do. And you were just getting purple, really. <laughs> You'd spent all morning cooking something that they really liked. Um, but it was funny when, when uh, my stepdaughter came over from Romania, because her food culture had been so, so small. You yeah. know, like the pallets of food that were available in northern Romania. Mm. But what was interesting, she, she had no fear of food. And all I just said, well, if you don't, don't like it, don't eat it. And, and you know the world that she was suddenly thrust inside, you're going to food festivals with us. Yeah. She did amazingly well. She, wow. She'd eat everything. I mean, she's vegetarian now, so she made her decisions later on in life. Sure. But when she was a kid, by God, she, she ate everything. She embraced everything. And she, she ate with, with her taste buds rather than her head. Yeah. She didn't have that assumed knowledge of people telling her she wouldn't like it. Yeah. It, was, it was a joy to take out. And, and she was great because she was inquisitive quite naturally, as her is, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's how it, that, and she would just give stuff a go, you know, and, and yeah. yeah, she was, she was and an absolute you know pleasure. what, my, my youngest one who eats everything is the one that will go, can I try? Could I have some off your plate? What is that? Yeah. The inquisitive word. Yeah. My mm. other hot tip is, which has really worked for me recently, youngest one who is the easiest one, hates tomatoes he doesn't hate them he has tomato sauces in, in bolognese but a cold fresh raw tomato and then so recently i bought him a tomato plant to look after and grow and so he's grown the tomato plant lovingly every single day and now guess what he eats tomatoes perfect oh. well you see <laughs> that's such a good manager uh, yeah she is she is well it's it's for i give um i have two great nephews and um and I gave them, uh, they were, I said, right, they went, oh, Uncle Si, what's that? And I said, oh, it's chard, Swiss chard. And I said, just take a bit off. And I said, look, the colours are really funky, aren't they? And I said, it's a bit like celery, but not. It's got a big, you know. And they were like, oh, I like celery. So they took this bit of this chard off. And they were munching away at it. And um, and Samantha came round and just, who's their mum, uh, who's my niece, and when what? What's the kids do? <laughs> they had these big bits of Swiss chard, you know, jumping away at them, going me up the side, give us them, and it's just going, flaming Nora. And um, and what I've done is I've said, okay, well, every year you grow the Swiss chard, so it's it does work. It does work. Yeah. I've done something exactly like that. It's great. So. But it's the parents, isn't it? I mean, do you remember when we did the scallop festival on the Isle of Man for Queenie scallops? Oh, yes. And yes. the Queenies, they're, they're some of the most littlest, delicate, easiest to eat food. And it's practically the, um, what's the word, the symbolic food of the Isle of Man, the Queenies. Mm. And it was a Queenie festival. And we were making like 
spring rolls with like four or five queenies just with a piece of lime juice and um, some coriander, roll it up, spring roll, fry it. And the kids spring roll, lovely. No gristly bits, nothing. And the kids yeah. were wolfing them. But the amount of parents go, oh no, he won't like he won't eat that. Oh no, no, he won't eat that. We're making queenie scallop pad thai. Oh no, he won't eat that. Oh, and I thought, right. how do you know? But the kids, of course, because when you think about it, there's nothing easier to eat than the white meat of a scallop. There's nothing nasty, yeah. there's no overpowering flavours. And like when you put that with the crispy spring rolls, they were flying away, weren't they? And the they kids were. were, you know, eating them despite the parents. Um, yeah. That's the half the problem is parents own fear and yeah. own, they impart it. They teach the children what they think they don't, won't like. That's just mm. much the wrong way around. The only mistake yeah. I made was once in Japan and it, we were in a beautiful Japanese restaurant and there was a, a, a kid's, my little ones were only five and seven, I think at the time. And there was a kid's menu on a bento box. I just thought it might be simplified, but simplified in Japan still comes down to fairly <laughs> sea yeah. urchin raw stuff going on. Anyway, there, were, there was the, the fish eggs were on top and I turned to my son and went, oh, it's pomegranate seeds, just eat it. And he had it in his mouth and he was looking at me going, that is not a pomegranate seed. See? Seeing oh. evil in his eyes. That wasn't what I expected. <laughs> he's never forgiven me for that one. <laughs> I, I, I th I just, look, I just think that, that, that generally, obviously, that this lovely man, Steve, cares about what his kids put, it, put, put into them, into their bodies, and cares about, cares about nourishing his kids properly. And, and it really does, it really is this simple. If, if that's all they're eating and that's all they're focusing on, then it's you buy it, so don't buy chicken nuggets just for a bit. It's not to say that they can never have them again, because they'll just go to McDonald's with their pocket money or somewhere else that sells them. And, um, and just just don't buy it. Oh, you can you always make... Oh yeah, I was gonna say, Dave, last week you came up with a really, you know, that lovely recipe of chicken. That you oh yeah, bake it. I make your own chicken nuggets. Yeah, yeah. I, I would make your own chicken nuggets. You know, to, to experiment. There's a, there's a chicken karagi, the, the, the Japanese, excuse me, pronunciation, the Japanese nuggets. There's like a Korean fried chicken. You know, there's all sorts of things you can do. And it's a similar vein like that. You can educate the palate. But also, you know, it, it's, I think as well as if, if they're healthy, I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If, 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 if you have a child who's morbidly obese and suffering from asthma and all the associated problems, then yeah, you have to care. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd be daft not to. But broadly speaking, if people are healthy, then, you know. I also think they're not going to eat chicken nuggets forever. They will, by turn, find something else one day. Well, exactly. Exactly. They're 11 and 12 or 11 and 13, so they're just kind of moving into... into exactly. Mm. You know, in adulthood or puberty, anyway. Food makes, makes everything better. Our next problem is called a baby or a lorry. And we need one female name, so it's time, we've missed this moment, to ask Tash for a female name. Over to you. Uh, well, I'll go for Primrose. Primrose, this is a lovely name then for Primrose. Dear Uncle Si, Uncle Dave and Posh Tash, I can't tell you how many times I've written this email and deleted it, but now I really need your help. I'm married to a wonderful man, he's just the best. It's a second marriage for both of us and he's got two children from his previous. We have no children, just a dog who's my little baby boy. Now I'm 38 years old and it's never bothered me about having children because I have wonderful nieces, lots of cousins, but recently I started to get remarks about bringing children into the world, which I personally think is a load of old tosh, sticking to society's rules and all that. See, I've never been one to follow the pack. I've always been a wild child. I do anything and everything I want to, 
including being an HGV driver, which people told me that, oh, that's a man's world, you'll struggle and so on. Well, it's been 15 years of driving, and honestly, I love it. Especially the banter, because men don't get offended when we have a bit of banter. You see, I'm not your girly girl type, and I can't contour my face with makeup, but what I can do is blindside reverse a 44-ton truck round corners and into bays with no problem at all. So here's my question. Do I really need to follow what society says and do the womanly thing of having children? P.S. Here's a picture of my truck for you, and she sent a picture of her daff. I think it's a 510 XF 106. There we are. Oh, that's nice. Free, nice. Free, oh, that's free, a good thing. Oh, oh, yeah. what, what colour is it? Is it, is it, because uh, um, they do that, that, is it black? No, it's, it's sort of grey. It looks like a metallic grey. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so from Benton Haulage. Anyway, there we go. There's Primrose the trucker. Should she have kids or stick with trucks? Stick with trucks, lass. I <laughs> do what you want. Cut your own groove in life. Absolutely. No, it's Absolutely. called democracy. There's precious little left now. But no, you should do what you want. I think it's, it must be so hard, though, uh, for ladies, as it were, with the biological clock. And I don't mean to be patronising, because there is pressure, isn't there, to, you know, and it, it's, it's wrong, really, in today's world. No, it's not, she's not mentioning the pressure, though, is she, Dave, about just, I agree with you, that's a horrible biological <clears> clock <throat> pressure. But she's also mentioning the, the fact that, she, that other people are thinking she should. And that's wrong. Yeah. I mean, been that thought, this is about, if she wants them, Go for Great. it, put them in the back of the truck and go with the kids. But if she doesn't want them, don't do it and run off with the truck on your own. I mean, there's neither way to it, really. Yeah, yeah, truck. Truck. Yeah, sure. and she sounds kind of pretty cool, like it's, as Dave was saying, that she's just cutting her own groove. She's got a lovely partnership. They've got two, she's got two stepdaughters, I think. Yeah. Uh, and lots mm. of nieces and nephews and stuff. It's cool. And, and, and like, who... I kind of get my head around it, man. Who has the audacity to say, aren't you having children? Well, sod off. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who are you to tell me what I should and shouldn't be doing? It's just wrong. I, I do wonder weird, the, female, the female brain, though. She clearly right now wouldn't be asking the question if she hadn't got playing devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, and right. Yeah. Something going, will I ever regret not having them? She might not want them now. But there is a part of you, as a woman, you, you can't have them as you get older. A man can go and have another child at 70, but we can't. So I, maybe there is a little tiny bit of doubt in the back of her head that's going, will I regret it? But right now she doesn't. But I think, you know, you could be run over by a bus tomorrow. So today you don't want them. Live life to your best today. That's what it is. You don't want but them today. But maybe she's listening too much to other people. And actually it's these people that are sowing seeds of doubt in her head, really. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think you know, because you always think that you know it, it's you know when people say, "Oh, are you sure?" Then you start thinking a little bit. Yeah. And um, no, no, it's. I think if if you, you're so lucky, if you find that groove that you love, but you know, there again, you sound like you could be an excellent mother, though. I should be a cool man, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's what I mean. Kids, where we've got? Can you imagine the school run? That'd be epic. You know, yeah. taking them in the head. head. Was be yeah. I love it. That'd be so cool. You get those zigzag lines outside of school where you can't stop. We'd have to change. Let's go on for miles because the HGV wouldn't fit in. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's get some advice for Primrose the trucker uh, uh, from Postash. Should she have baby or not? If she doesn't want one, don't have one. Be happy. Uncle Ty, baby or truck? Uh, go with truck, lass. <laughs> Uncle Dave. Just go with your heart and it's fine. You can have what you want. And don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. If you got problems, you'll be fine. Just drop the agony, uncle's a line.
Our next problem comes from Heather, and it's called A Gitty Husband. Hi guys, I'm 60. I work, if and when, in the events business, so it's not every day that I'm out working. I shop, I clean, I cook, etc., but every time my husband and I row, he always shouts and screams that I have an easy life, he works full-time. He has a hot meal waiting for him every night, clean iron clothes in his wardrobe, but when he's had a stressful day, I only have to say one word wrong and he takes it out on me. But the next day, he expects everything to be okay. Well, I'm not okay. I'm feeling worthless and invisible, and right at this moment, I feel like calling it a day. Help, says Heather. Over to you. Oh, dear. Oh. Well, I think Ed, it's... Heather's at the end of a tether. She is. And it's that whole thing about familiarity breeding contempt, isn't it? It's just like, these are the expectations. This is what I expect. It's a very traditional relationship as well, by the sound of things. But at 60... Oof, You've got to be sort your life out before it's too late, haven't you? Yeah, you just got to get on with it. Look, if you're that, um, if you're that upset with them, just try and have a conversation, eh? Yeah, That's, it all presume, starts there, doesn't it? Yeah, presumably she's told him that she's not happy, and you know the dynamic of the hot meal every night—that'd soon wear thin, wouldn't it? Well, uh-huh. I think. I think it comes to the fact that she he's making i think it's quite a traditional role coming out of that kind of relationship is that somehow the man because he works um and the woman is maybe more at home and cooking the meals feels they have to be sort of so grateful that, that, that cooking the meal isn't a job or isn't she's doing it out of love she's cooking for him out of love etc and putting on the table and because she cares and that's what she'd like to do and yes she's got more time to do it and he comes home and almost imposing the fact that he feels that because he's been working he's got the tougher life the harder to the harder role which is wrong but bottom line is no person should speak to another person like that and expect them just to put up with it you know we all take it out on our nearest and dearest we all snap and that's why we do it because they love you unconditionally but i don't feel he's got the right to have a, a rant at her about something and then expect her just to carry on normally and serve him lovely food you know that no whatever the scenario no one should speak to each other like that without a proper argument and understand why they're doing it so i like you think it's a proper conversation they need to sit down talk it out and say just don't speak to me like that you know my my job is different to yours but equally sometimes i feel like i want to rant but i don't do that to you so why do you do it to me well maybe he's you know got problems that she doesn't know about and when he comes home and he's stressed he doesn't know how to express himself or you know and he's taking it out on her it's, it's it isn't fair but maybe there's two sides to it a little bit you know maybe he has got huge problems as well and he's got nobody to talk to but he's got her. Yeah, and also it's about that. It's about <clears throat> power as well, isn't it? It's about that, you know, it, 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 uh, that traditional kind of man-wife scenario where that, you know, I have. Um, mm. That it's about that male power thing, isn't it? Well, I'm going out to work and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing the other. Well, yeah, that's all right, but you know, I'm running the house. I'm ironing your clothes. I'm facilitating your your career yeah. and your work ethic. Um, because yes, I do know, and I appreciate that. But stop slapping me around the face with it every time, and I'm fed up with working, walking on eggshells all my life. Yeah. It's not on. I'm not having it. And um, and and yeah, I, I think we're all we're all of the conclusion that you, they need to have a conversation and then take it from there. I'll just get her right back in, see how she goes, have the conversation, yeah, and then and then see see how it happens, see what happens. Mm. Yeah, it comes down to every time for us, they need to have a conversation. You know, the yeah, more silent it goes, the harder it gets, you know. So they need to sit down and talk. And it's hard, man. It's a hard thing to broach. And I bet she broaches it and not him. Yeah. So that's I think, I think as well is, you know, with the lockdown and the way things have been with COVID, people have got kind of 
oh, on the home front, I think people have got a little bit lazy, shall we say. Do, do you know what I mean? Because it's been yeah. coming home, it's been existing. People have forgot what it's like to go out, have a good time, or, or within the marriage, still have a date night. Well, so true. You know, and, and I think the past two years have been hard like that. Um, you know, sometimes you've got to pick yourself up and have a bit of a check, haven't you? Well, you yeah. know, you're so right, Dave, because I feel that people think in lockdown, <clears throat> you spend so much intense time together, let's say, if you were in a couple or even a family mm. or whatever, two, two people. So therefore, when lockdown lifted and everyone started going out, you went out with your friends and then you felt like you spent a lot of time with that person, but actually it wasn't quality time, it was survival. And actually, you're right, grabbing that date night and going out and having a conversation on a neutral you know, place, like a bar or a restaurant or even a park bench, is so much easier than doing any of these confrontational conversations in your living room where you can slam the door or you can storm upstairs or walk out. I think if you do it in public, you have a certain amount of uh, respect for each other to have a decent conversation. And I think also, I think the problem is also that you have to be equally invested in wanting to make it work. Yeah. Because if you're not, then it, it's 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 pointless whether you do it in public or behind closed doors. I, I think I think you're right, Tash. It's it's a lot easier to it's a lot better to do it in public. But he's want you know if he just point blankly refuses, and just kind of goes you know no I like how I feel when I when I'm emotionally you know slapping you around the mush uh, uh, I, I, you know it, it, it's co it's complicated and nuanced isn't it that's yeah. that situation because clearly they've been married a very long time and it's always a difficult it's always difficult and as Dave says there's always there's always another side to to to, to the story so God, don't know. And sixty's young, so you don't want to put up with that. Kind yeah, of man. For yeah. another knows how many years, you know. No, no. Now. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, there's a whole massive world out there. You know, if, if your life's, life's in a mess, mess then the email address is the agony uncles at thehairybikes.co.uk. Yeah. Your next problem is called the Arthur Scargill biker, and I like this very much because Katie, as she's called herself, says, "Hi, Uncle Dave, Uncle Simon, Posh Tash." I've given myself a fake name to save Tash the stress of having to come up with one. <laughs> well done, Katie. <laughs> I'm married to my very own hairy biker, and I have been for 10 years. The issue is, he's not quite so hairy now. He's sporting, I'm afraid, a bit of a comb-over. I've tried to gently hint that shave heads are a great look, especially with a beard, but no luck. He's still insisting on not cutting it. Now, obviously, I think he'll look gorgeous, whatever. But how can I persuade him it's time to get rid of the comb-over? Or should I not even try and just leave him to it, says Katie. Over to you. Oh, I'll get the clippers out and do it for him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Also, as a biker as well, it'd be, you know, have a comb-over under your helmet. It sticks to your helmet when you take it off. And, nah, embrace it. Go for it. It's my beard I miss, though. Yeah. Do you? Oh yes, yes. I, I was born with that beard. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What do you no. miss about it, Dave? Do you miss sort of the fiddling with it, or the food getting stuck in it, or the combing it? What, what's the bit? Yeah. No, I just miss having my beard, and you know, yeah, the feeling of it, and um, it just feels you because your skin's different. It's all peachy, and you know, mm. no, I want my beard back. I can, I'm all right with me hair. But yeah, no, I think I think the the bald head and beard's the way to go for a biker as you're getting on. Definitely. Maybe you should put pictures of really bad comb overs around the house <laughs> and just he might take the int. And then a pair of clippers next to it. You know, just like on the fridge and that. Go clippers, comb over picture from the internet. 
clippers in the bathroom. Blue tack. She needs blue tack and a printer. <laughs> it's dead hard though, isn't it? It's dead hard though. You get to a point where he's he's been going along for years, and the coma was probably been getting more and more kind of gravity defying, and. Um, and you know, nowadays, what do you do? You've got to bite that bullet, haven't you? Yeah, I think if I, if I put it out there for them, comb-overs are really unattractive. So that helps us. You know, they really aren't great look. And I would much rather a bald man over a man that's struggling to hang on to that last strand. And, and I kind of feel like she needs to say, I don't particularly find you that attractive. But I wonder whether he's a bit, little bit like, sadly, you know, you look in the mirror and I look in the mirror, you know, and you might see one look on you, but everyone else sees something very differently. A little bit like, am I fat, am I thin? Am I, I talk, you see what you want to see almost. Maybe he still thinks he looks like he did when he had a full head of hair. He really doesn't see this single strand being stretched right over. So I feel like yeah, he just needs telling. He needs telling that it's not that attractive. Maybe his mates, his mates need to sort him out then. Yeah, have a word with the lads, go here. Yeah. You know, every time you take your end off, you look like an extra from, you know, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's just this tuft in the middle. You know what I mean? Like, you get... It's hard to take off, can it? It can't only be a couple of snips for scissors in the night when he's asleep. Yeah, but a comb over's not, you know, it's not. It's no. not it's, oh. oh, actually, that's a good idea, Tash, because I know Dave and I have been to parties in our youth that has that has exactly happened. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, you just get a mortal drunk. He falls asleep on the settee and you shave his hair. <laughs> or eyebrows was always the eyebrows was one, the wasn't thing. it? Yeah, yes, that... one eyebrow. One eyebrow, yeah. <laughs> mean you man i can't believe you do that <laughs> no, 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 no. we're young and stupid not now yeah. no no not now of course not no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> all right good advice there thank you very much and thank you katie for changing your own name that uh, made tash feel much much better <laughs> well done <laughs> It's time to head down to Confidential Corner. This is oh, called no. This is called an uncomfortable moment in the shower. Oh, now ooh. we need quite a few names here, and you'll understand what? why. How many? We, what? We, we oh. need we need two male and two female names from you, Uncle Si and Uncle Dave, and we need them to be a bit posh. So, uh, two male names from you, Uncle Si, and two female names, Uncle Dave, slightly posh, please. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two male names, uh, 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 Crispin. And, Crispin and Will. Crispin and Will. <laughs> Lovely. Names. Lovely names. Uh, Penelope and Rosalind. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to write this down. And Rosalind. Okay, this. <laughs> can this even, and Ross, uh, if you like. I can't even. Sp- I can't even spell Rosalind. How do you do that? Fair enough. Well, this comes from Will. And uh, Will writes, "Dear Agony Uncles, I've been going out with Penelope for about seven months now." She comes from a very well-to-do family from Kent, though now lives in London, where I work, as a builder. I'm originally from Hull. Her family are all really posh, but lovely and welcome me into their home, and they're really happy that Penelope has found someone who loves her. Everyone, that is, except for her sister, Rosalind. She's 36 and has always been a bit weird to me. She can never look at me and she barely speaks, and she's married to a right knob, who's called Crispin. He's an antiques dealer, always talking down to me and asking things like, do you keep coal in the bath still in Hull? And stuff like that. Tosser. But the rest of the family hate him, so tell me to ignore him. Anyway, I stay at their house quite a lot, was having a shower, when I felt the door go, and in walked Rosalind. 
I had nowhere to hide. So I just had to stand there, Starkers, while she explained to me that she hated her husband and really fancied me and would do anything for one night with me. But I mustn't mention this to anyone. However, if I ever wanted to get it on, just let her know. Then she left. Oh, wow. That was last weekend. I haven't mentioned this to Penelope. Should I? Asks Will. Over to Bloody you. Bloody Nora. Oh, I'd run, run. <laughs> It was a tough one though, because he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just having an innocent shower. Uh, 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 my gut instinct straight away is get the parents together, get Penelope to get. Yeah, I'd tell them. I'd just. I'd spill and go. Hey, listen. I. I. I yeah. Because uh, where does that go? Because then yeah. she's put him in a position where she could manipulate the situation. And it could all go horribly wrong. I think he's just got a... It would be the worst conversation in the world to have because, oh, God, man, that's What he doesn't want to do, he doesn't want to get into a situation where he's having to defend himself because he did nothing wrong here. He did nothing wrong. That's the thing. So I think honesty quickly is the best policy there. I think you've got to confess it. And I think it sounds like the husband's a knob-end anyway. So it could be highly possible everyone believes the story that she's very unhappy and might have made his approach. It just is going to ruin this relationship between the two sisters, isn't it? Well, that's the problem. Well, yeah, sisters, isn't it? Crikey, there's not much love lost, is there? Dear me, man. Ooh. Ooh, oh, or he tough. has the affair. <laughs> <laughs> he can't do that. He can't do that. He doesn't know that. That's not... <laughs> you couldn't. You can... Got it on a plate. It's coming. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe you should tell Penelope... You know, that, that's his wife and it's his sister. And then let her take some control over to how she wishes to, you know, deal with this. Yeah, I agree. Maybe she wants to just take yeah. um, a sister to one side and punch her lights out or give her a talking to. We don't know. You don't know what's gone on. They may, they may have something. But I think I'd, I'd be up front with Pe- Penelope and just go, this, this is really not, not on, but this is what happened. So what do we do about it? Yeah, that's yeah. good call. Yeah, and, and good kind call. of, you know... Yeah. I think as well is by passing off some of the responsibility like that, you've taken that that, that ownership that you that you have, um, yeah, but, but it's it lessened it a bit. Yeah, yeah. Because after all, the person who sh- was going to be really upset is Penelope, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, clearly none of us are worried about antiques dealer because it sounds like no one really likes him anyway. So we're less bothered about that marriage. We're more concerned about the in-house family relationship and the fact that he's feeling guilty for doing nothing. And the poor lad is from Hull. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you know, he works his, he works his cojones off because there's no, there's, there's no builder that works in London that isn't working flipping hard. And, um, and uh, oh man, that's awful. Yeah. It's oh. tricky. I reckon mm. you the lad- Oh no, I think it's Dave's Dave's call. I, I I think it's absolutely spot on that, don't you? Yeah, what well, Penelope, yeah. Yeah, put just her in go, charge. Put her in charge. And just it's not abdicating responsibility, it's just sharing the problem and going, look, this is a big issue because this is what happened. Yeah. I, I didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. Obviously, your sister. Yeah, I was covered um, in suds in New Covered in suds. That was it, the beginning, middle and end of it. So where do we go from here? And I think the key, the key word there is we. You're, you're so right, Dave, and making them a team. This is not yeah. his problem. Yeah. You know, we're, we're solid, you and I. So how do we handle this situation? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's exactly those words. Listen, me and you were solid. Something happened last weekend. This is what happened. How do we now proceed to handle this? Because I, I, I don't know what to do. 
I mean, I'm not going to sleep with your sister, obviously, but I don't know what to do. You well, hate to think that he'd turn around and go, well, she'll turn around and go, you must have been giving her signs. What have you been doing? I'd hate the thought that she's then put him in that position to go, what were you doing? Why would she even do that if you hadn't given her the sign that she could walk in the bathroom door? And I mean, we don't know that either. No, be. I mean, I think if, if you're honest about it, and he, if he is being honest, then he's got nothing to worry about. Yeah. It's just, look, that's the way it is. And that presumably uh, Penelope would kind of know him by now. Um, that, that there's some you know, degree of honesty, and if it was he, if he, if he wasn't liable to be wayward, then he's got no reason to doubt him. You know. Mm. I must say, some people do have guts. I sort of think, oh my god, balls oh, to walk into the shower room and do that to your family. Cool, that's ballsy. I mean, it's it's but but it's just it's I, I just find that sort of thing incredibly manipulative, yeah. and incredibly. Hold on a minute. That, that, that there's no boundaries there at all. You don't do that to your sisters, you know. That's, that's your. No. What's that about, man? Yeah, solve Weird. your own problems, solve your old marriage problems out, and go and get a new one. Yeah, that's mm. it, but don't crack in on the family internally. Yeah, and and that's just like it's undermining all of that. It's horrible, and his relationship with their family. Ah, what a cow her sister is. Well, if you're down, if you're down, now don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. Just send an email, Just send an email to, the agony to the agony uncle. Well, as always, thanks so much for contacting the show and uh, sending in your problems. Because when you, if you don't, we haven't got a show. We have a bulging post bag, but there's always room for some more. There is. So send your trials and tribulations into. Agony Uncles at thehairybikers.co.uk. That's Agony Uncles at thehairybikers.co.uk. Uh, you can also help us out by following the podcast, and you can also um, you can also rate and review it. So uh, please, please do. That would be great, and um, that means that we get to speak to more people and spread the love and joy that we have every time we open the bag that is the post and is yours on the spin cycle i was gonna you? say is your spinner going no do you know what happens nikki's just gone to the loo and she's flushed the bog and it's the pump that's just pick kicked in <laughs> it's your macerator <laughs> oh god hi nick there she is big jobs big jobs <laughs> hi nick was it a wee or a poo just a wee just a wee uh, God knows what it sounds like if it cycle. was a poo <laughs> <laughs> so from Posh Tash goodbye the Thin White Duke goodbye and us have a great week have a great bye. week bye 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 love you dearly bye Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.